Hello, this is Lafayette Faust, creator of the Nevermore Hollows podcast. Thank you for making the show a success. Please take a moment to subscribe, give five stars, comment, and share the show with your friends. It's the best way to help us grow and to be able to continue to provide quality horror content. Also, please support our new art director, Chris Madman Goins, at Black Sheep Studios TN on Instagram. He has some amazing Nevermore Hollows art for sale, signed by the both of us, as well as many other original pieces I think you're going to love. Now, for you horror hounds who like to have a good laugh, I invite you to check out my other podcast. It's called The Three Uncool Cats. In it, my two friends and I sit in a basement and discuss music, movies, and whatever else comes into our warped minds. I would really appreciate it if you would give it a listen. Now, with that out of the way, I invite you to sit back, turn on a light, and prepare yourself. Chapter 2 Grace was so excited that she could barely focus during the rest of her classes. She sat in English literature class, fantasizing about being married to Ari, when she realized that she didn't know his last name. She wasn't even sure that anybody in the whole school knew any of the runaways' last names. She found this particularly interesting. In fact, she found it deliciously mystifying. It made Ari and his group even more enigmatic. This sent her fantasies on all sorts of breathtaking adventures to explain Ari's past. By the end of the class, she had settled on the fantasy that Ari was an orphan who had spent his youth on the mean streets of various European cities, doing whatever he could to survive the junkies and the freaks that haunted him. This was how he gained his extreme self-confidence that made him so desirable. Yet, Even possessing such confidence, he was still a young man filled with the pain of loss so deep that only she would be able to heal him with her love. That was a pretty darn good fantasy to have. The bell rang and she gathered up her books and left English Lit class and pushed her way down the hallway toward the lunchroom. She absolutely hated her hourly attempt to navigate the mass of steroid-crazed jocks, diva-inspired princesses, and the growing numbers of goths that bumped and bounced against each other in their zombie-like shamble to their next destination. She could hardly hear herself think over the uncountable and unintelligible shouted conversations, though she could catch various phrases. A group of the vapid, overly made-up Barbie zombies congregated near a water fountain. One of them, with a too-short skirt, said, Eric is so hot, I just know he wants me. An impossibly muscle-bound sophomore who was on the wrestling team shuffled by and said, I was with that girl last week. I'm going after her friend now. 
a young freshman from the upper middle class suburbs on the edge of town who was dressed like the newest gangster rapper to hit the scene rapped, I told that hoe she was about to get her mouth shut for her. Grace rolled her eyes in disgust. She could almost smell the puberty and desperation that oozed from every pore of the people in the hall. The girls didn't respect themselves, and the boys were, as always, boys who couldn't think because their brains were injected with testosterone and lust. As she made eye contact with some, she saw only raw, confused emotion, desire and disenchantment, vanity and vice, self-love and self-loathing. She saw the sign for the girls' restroom and made a dash for the door. She shoved through and stepped inside what she considered to be one of the lowest pits of hell. The girls' room was where most of the insipid gossip was doled out and where some of the worst battles in the war of feminine egos was waged. She quickly glanced around and saw that she was thankfully alone. She stepped to the sink, sat her backpack on the floor, and looked at herself in the mirror. She had been raised to respect herself. She refused to dress like a tramp, though she wanted to be desired. She wanted to be respected first as an individual. That was in part why she chose to dress simply, usually in a t-shirt and jeans. She figured if she had to dress like a tramp to get a guy, then that guy wasn't worth having in her life. She felt mostly comfortable with herself. She stayed in good shape, partly because her mom forced her and her brother Zach to take martial arts classes. She had a fair complexion with a few freckles scattered around her nose and upper cheeks. Her strawberry blonde hair was short to the middle of her neck, and it had a soft flip on the ends, giving her an almost elfin look. Her hazel eyes were clear and bright. Boring, she thought. I'm thrilled that I'm not a diva, grateful that I'm not a goth chick, but I am mortified that I'm a plain Jane. I'll never get Ari to be attracted to me looking like this. The door burst open, startling her. In walked Sarah Graves. She was a short, black girl with horn-rimmed glasses. Sarah was new to the school and was often seen walking alone in the hallways. Sarah had caught Grace's eye a few times lately because her walk wasn't the mindless shuffle like everyone else's in school. She walked in such a way that it seemed as if she carried a heavy burden, making her seem introspective and solemn. Hey, Sarah said, dropping her own backpack to the floor. Grace noted that it was ragged and torn in a few places. Sarah stepped over to the next sink and began washing her hands. She had a thoughtful look on her face, almost as if she were deeply concerned. Hello. Grace replied. I've seen you around. Sarah grabbed a couple paper towels from the dispenser and began drying her hands. Nice to meet you, she said. I'm Sarah. It's short for Sarah Quell. Grace leaned against the sink. Well, that's an unusual name. Sarah finished drying her hands and threw the damp towels into the trash. Thanks but it's nowhere as awesome as yours, Grace. 
Grace was slightly taken aback. She hadn't realized that Sarah knew her name, let alone that she would find it awesome. When Grace had first seen Sarah, she had become interested in this girl who seemed to quietly shoulder some dark secret and wanted to know who she was. She had asked a couple of kids in her classes, but no one even knew who Grace was talking about. Finally, Justin Jones, the goth boy that sat next to her in algebra class, happened to know her name. It's Sarah, he said somberly. His long hair, dyed a deep black, was cut extremely short on the sides, but his bangs hung down his forehead, covering his right eye, almost down to his chin. She asked him what the whole goth thing was supposed to mean. He sighed in exasperation and glanced at his closest friend, Marcy Barnes, who was dressed in the classic goth style with black lipstick, black nail polish, and black eyeshadow. He rolled his eyes and impatiently explained, with great angst, that he wore black to symbolize the sadness that was eating away at the world. The hair covering his eye was a protest at seeing that rampant sadness taking hold of everything and everyone. You're a smart girl, he told her. You should embrace a goth lifestyle. You already wear t-shirts of bands that sing about the darkness in the world. Grace glanced at Marcy, who glared back with open contempt, and replied that just because she liked a band for its music didn't mean she supported whatever they said, lyrically. Besides, Grace said, pointing to the stylized skull on her t-shirt, the misfits sing mostly about old monster movies, and they have their tongues thoroughly in their cheeks. Justin glanced at Marcy, who continued to scowl at Grace through her black eyeshadow. He sighed as if in deep despair. This was the first time that Grace realized that boys could be overreactive drama queens. This knowledge greatly confused her. Her dad was often emotionally distant, but he was still masculine. Her uncle Jim was masculine as well. Even her brother Zach was squarely in the male camp. Boys weren't supposed to be so emotional. I hate my name, Grace said. Who would ever choose Macabre as a surname? It literally means death. It's so dark and terrible. Sarah shook her head. Your surname may be dark, but there is a sense of the poetic in that your mother choose to call you Grace. In what way? Grace asked. Well... Because grace defeats death, Sarah said. Grace considered what Sarah said. She kind of liked how it sounded, though she didn't understand why. Maybe in some weird way it was a little poetic. How do you know my name? Sarah shrugged. I was sitting in the library this morning when you were talking with Mr. Kent about your book report. Oh, yes, Grace said, understanding. Mr. Kent had used her name during that conversation. I'm working on a civilization's report. What were you in there for? Sarah adjusted her glasses. With her jet black hair and mocha skin, she could easily be a very pretty girl, but those glasses were so old school and out of style that it made her look nerdy. The glasses and her sad countenance dulled her natural beauty.
I was there to speak with Mr. Kent. My guidance counselor told me I needed to be in his class. So did you get in? Grace asked. Sarah was nice. Not like all the Barbie zombies or the outsider girls who, in their quest to be different, were so close-minded when it came to giving anyone a chance. She kind of hoped that Sarah did get into Mr. Kent's class. It would be fun to have someone to talk to. Yes, I got in, but I'm way behind. I could loan you all my notes and answer any questions you might have, Grace said. I've got an A in that class so far. Sarah gave a slight, thoughtful smile. The sincerity of the smile seemed to make this lowest pit of hell a little less soul-crushing. That would be great, Grace. I really appreciate that. No problem. I'll make you some copies later and give them to you tomorrow in class, Grace said. Just then, the tardy bell rang. Great, Grace said, grabbing her backpack. We're late. Sarah grabbed her own shabby backpack and they both started for the door. When they stepped out into the now deserted hallway, Sarah focused her solemn look on Grace and said, You need to be careful. Your choices over the next few days could alter your destiny in a profound way. Grace stopped dead in her tracks and gave Sarah a confused look. What? she said. What does that mean? Sarah had given this warning with a grave tone, and Grace saw a fierce sincerity in her eyes. I'm new here, Grace, and I'm not like the others. And for that reason, they don't care enough to even know I exist. Since I'm unseen by these kids, I hear things. Many of them have allowed themselves to be corrupted in disturbing ways. You have been chosen for something special. It would be sad to see you become one of them, one of the corrupted, before you fulfill your destiny. Grace opened her mouth to say something, which she knew would be incomprehensible due to her confusion at Sarah's odd declaration. But before she could, Sarah turned and wandered down the hall toward her next class. Grace watched Sarah for a moment, trying to understand what had just happened. She finally shook her head and started off to lunch. However, she couldn't shake the feeling that though Sarah's warning was strange, something profound and even a little disturbing had just happened.